In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you? I'm good. Here we go. The big 199. So we're nearly there. Another milestone. It only feels like 99 days ago, we were at 100 episode. It's crazy. Excellent. And we are going to announce someone's 100th show tomorrow. So I'm here with Jack McCurry. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Mate, it's a big day for you tomorrow. You're recording your 100th show on the 1085 Gridiron podcast. Yeah, uh, me and my co-host Anthony started this Browns podcast. It'll be two years in April, and we're hitting the 100th episode uh, this week. So it's been a quite a uh, quite a ride with that. Well, I'm a bit upset, to be honest, because m- my co-host's been on it, and I haven't been invited yet. So uh, I feel like... I don't know, just like someone in the Browns community that hasn't been invited onto your show. They're dissing your cookie, mate. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, uh, Paul, you'll definitely be a guest on in the future. We'd love to have you on. Uh, Jack was a great uh, uh, guest for us. And uh, uh, as long as you bring some of them biscuits and gravy, my friend. Mate, they were wholemeal biscuits and they weren't the best. So uh, I'm definitely going to do a uh, take two with bacon fa- powder, white flour, more milk, yeah, so the next one's going to be good. Sugar. Sugar, real sugar. Yep, that's it as well. Yeah, so it was a bit of a shambles. But look, the main thing was I wanted to get someone on a plate just to show that I've made the effort, that I'm not just hating American breakfast. And I will say that the gravy was absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, it is a game changer. And I, I want to know, Cleveland, where is the best place I can get biscuit and gravy when I come out? Because I want to taste the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, we there's canned sausage gravy, or you could make it homemade like you did. Um, but I know Bob Evans is where it's at. So if you can go to a Bob Evans while you're in the States, uh, that's a definite good place for sausage gravy. Is there one in Cleveland? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. There's tons around Northeast Ohio, so uh, uh, I'm sure whenever you come to the state, someone will point you towards a Bob Evans quickly. All right, guys. If you can't see Jack, he's going crazy at the moment. He's saying this is an NFL podcast, not a food podcast. Yeah, so come on, Jack, you crack on, mate. So we've had enough of Paul's food. Now we're on to tight end. So this is another one of our shows, the penultimate show in the series of this, where we're doing a three-year look ahead to the position. Because if you're an NFL team, you don't just look one year at a time. You've got to have that three-year long-term plan constantly revolving. So we'll do a three-year look ahead at the tight end room, and then we'll talk about any free agents out there that's any particular interest. Um, But we'll kick it off. The first name has got to be David Njoku. He's tied up with two more years in his contract at 2.6 million, 3 million, and then there'll be a fifth year option on his contract because he was a first round pick. So he's tied down for the next three years and what a player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Njoku, you know, everybody has kind of got their negatives about him. His hands are still quite an issue, but 
I mean, you look at he's in the top 10 in every major category for tight ends. And I honestly think that the sky is the limit for him. And he's still only 22 years old. So, you know, anybody that's complaining about Najoku, I mean, I can get it if you're really that anal about his hands and how much he drops and everything. But I do think he is a key part of this offense going forward. And um, he's going to be a big target for Baker Mayfield for quite some time. Yeah, Baker Mayfield loves the middle of the field and there's no bigger weapon you're going to get in the middle of that field than him. He's an absolute monster. And as we get more and more drives that get us to the red zone, he is going to be your, he's a jumble specialist. If they stick a linebacker on him or if they stick a uh, slot corner on him, whoever they stick on him, he is generally going to be bigger than them. So if you just lob that ball up, and let him come down with it. He's got a fantastic athlete, and from his college days, absolute yak monster. So if Baker can get him in space, this guy is just going to run, run, and run. So um, Freddie's shown he likes using tight ends, and this guy has got the potential to be the best in the business. Question for you, uh, Jack Duffin. How many, how many percentage, what percentage of the snaps did, uh, did he take this year? Any idea, or roughly? Um, I can look it up, but you're going to have to ask another question why I do it. Excellent. Can I move on to the next tight end? Um, yeah, you can ask me the next tight end. So next tight end is Darren Fells. So he's got um, his contract in 2019 is 3.7 million with 1.4 um, in dead cap if we were to cut him. And then in 2020, it's a 4.7 million um, in salary with 700,000 if we were to cut him. So uh, there's there's some couple of options there. And will he make the long term? He, he's, he's solid enough as a weapon, but you could probably get better, especially in this draft class. Yeah, I mean, you know, you looked at Fells when we signed him. I immediately thought, there's our third tight end. There's our primary blocker. But it seemed, though, that whether it was Todd Haley or Darren or Freddie Kitchens, uh, they incorporated Fells into the offense and Baker seemed to v- like him very much as a target. Uh, the one throw against Cincinnati when he absolutely threaded it in into the goal- end zone for a touchdown. I mean, it was a great uh, play by Fells and a great throw by Baker, obviously. So I think Fells will be around at least this year. He's 32 years old. So you have to wonder, you know, do they see, do they want to keep him around for the back end of his career? And how much do they value Fells not only as a player on the field but also as a leader in that tight end room a pub question for you baker mayfield threw his first touchdown to who threw it to darren Wells in oakland oh look at that eh? so just want to make sure our listeners are on top of that if there's any pub quizzes they know the answer that was all so if you i've looked up your snap numbers um just looking at offense so this isn't including special teams numbers um using pro football reference david njoku 80 percent of snaps um this year um darren fells came in at 38.5 um austin charles was 16 percent and sefta valve was nine percent so um david njoku was by far the most used but you've got to remember i haven't got the splits here and it's not available on if you start looking at second half we saw a lot more um different usage of packages from three running backs from three tight ends there was much more freedom to mix up when todd haley had the first half of the season it was very much it was 11 personnel very often not quite rams often but there was a lot of use of it so uh i I think you could definitely have two tight ends that can get over 75 percent snaps um in a potential freddie kitchens offense jack can you just break it down for me in real basic terms if we got rid of fells uh, this season, off season, how much would that hit us in cap space? 
so in cap space, 1.4 million would be lost, and then we'd have a saving of 2.3 million. But in all honesty, at 3.7 million, I would be shocked if they just cut him out right. There's no issue in just keeping him around. Um, there's other names that you'd probably move on instead. Excellent. Thanks, mate. So we'll jump to the next name is Seth the Valve. He's going into his final of his first four seasons. He's got 815,000 um, is his cap number. And his dead money, if we want to cut him, is 95,000. So it's basically nothing. For me, I'm happy to keep him around. He's definitely going to make camp. And then if they get someone in the draft that beats him out, then so be it. But um, he's a solid player that I just... I don't understand why they can't get him out there more and get him more involved in the game. I know he's had a few injuries, but there seems to be more wider issues than that. Yeah, I'm with you, Jack. Uh, you know, DeValve was one of my favorite players coming into camp. I was anxious to see what him and Najoku would do on the field together. And then obviously the injury bug hit him early in camp and he was just ineffective all year. And it just makes me wonder, do, does he have a future in Cleveland? I mean, he's still only 25 years old. There's still a ton of athleticism there, but it just makes me wonder, like you said, if they add someone in the draft or in free agency, is DeValve on the bubble? I would say he is going into camp, but um, you know, if he has a healthy camp and proves what his worth, then he should stick around for the long term. Jack, is Seth DeValve one of them real bargain players that we should have in our roster just to um, make sure we're not full of superstars? How much do you say it was again a year? It's the final year of his contract, so it's 815,000, um, and it's only 95,000 if you were to cut him. Um, but That's peanuts, it, right? Yeah, it, but in the same time, if, if you'd say take a, say you take two tight ends in the draft, say you pick up a second one in the seventh round, or you pick up a UDFA because it is such a deep class, and through training camp, you'll see and say, are you always using number 90% production? If you're getting 90% production of what you think Seth Valve can get you from a player in his first year of a um, UDFA deal, then you're going, actually, let, let's put the kid out there because we can just move on and see what's happening. But it's going to be interesting to note because I would love to see the Browns shift and it would be a big shift from, at the moment, most teams are built around six um, wide receivers, three tight ends, three running backs and a fullback. I would see that move from, and I would go to five uh, wide receivers. One of them's a slot, four outside, have four tight ends in there, have your three running backs, and then have basically a blocking tight end that can come in. So uh, for me, your blocking tight end is your Seft Valve. He can play fullback, not Seft Valve, is um, Fells. He can play fullback. He can play blocking tight end. He can do it all there and just mill around and help out in packages where you use him. But I would add that extra um, tight end and drop one of the wide receivers. Do you think Seth DeValve's got any trade value? No, not at all. And maybe no. you'll get a conditional seventh for him. Um, if he makes the roster for all 16 games or something um, for a team. But it's no real trade value, but it is what it is. He's, he's a player that is good, but not amazing. Um, and if he can stay fully fit, then I think he can provide something. But at the same time, if he gets cut because we get better players, that's what good teams do. Every season, the Patriots are dumping and cutting really good players, and that doesn't hurt them. Yeah, I agree there, Jack. And uh, it, 
we're in a nice luxury place now. We've got a lot of talent in our roster. So, yeah, even a fan favourite like Seth De Valve, if he gets cut, that's the level that we need to operate at. And I think as fans, we need to suck that up quite quickly and understand that, that change is here and we have to make some big decisions. Yeah, so if we jump on to the next name, which is Orson Charles, he's out of contract, so he's a restricted free agent. But there are some options of what we decide to do with him here because I don't think there's going to be big demand for him. So it wouldn't surprise me if we sign him to a minimum deal and then we bring him back for um, camp and we might find someone better in that time. But I think, in all honesty, if you say give him a five, ten grand bonus 15 grand bonus to turn up to camp and you can get a better judge on him you then offer him a um, 720,000 contract um, for his three seasons in the league Um, no guarantees in it and uh, we just see if he can uh, hang around hopefully we'll find someone better we might find Fells can do that job we might find Sefta Valve can do that job Um, but uh, for me I've got no issue if he's, he's around in the 90 I don't honestly think he's good enough to make the 53 though what do you reckon, Jack? Yeah, I would agree. I don't think Orson Charles is a long-term option for this roster. You know, he had a couple flashes during the season, but it, you can find, I think, other guys, especially in the draft. But in free agency, there's some names that we could potentially look at that would replace Charles. But uh, like you said, bring him to camp at least. Obviously, they they have to bring 90 players to camp. So just have extra bodies out there, and he would definitely fill the void. Yeah, Charles is actually a friend of the podcast. He listens. And uh, so can we not tell you that he's going to get cut, please? Because he may get upset and not listen to us anymore. Um, but no, jokes aside, there was a key thing, which was th- three or four teams were all going for him when he was a free agent at the waiver point. Do you remember that, Jack? Um, I remember there was some interest in him at the time. Tanner Vallejo, I think, has slightly more interest. But it was, it was one of them that he's okay and he can do a job. It's just, what does Freddie want? Personally, I'm never that keen on keeping fullbacks around. And I think you go into camp and you have a battle between Orson Charles and um, Fells and may the best man win. Um, for me, that that is a really solid and fair battle. And for, they do similar jobs in my eyes and the way I would run the offense. But to be fair, no one knows what Freddie wants to do because we've seen what Freddie can do when he came in part-time in a year. Freddie for an entire season might be completely different. He might come in with lots of different ideas. We might upgrade the tackle play and free up uh, more skill players for him to use rather than chip blocking. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting. And there'll be a couple of surprises, team players that probably make it to the roster that us three would sit there and go, no, I probably can't see that guy making it. But Freddie will go, right, this guy's got a job. Um, and we might not see what that job is straight away because they might only play five snaps on offense each game. But if they've got that role that he can see as valuable, then uh, I'm happy to put my trust in Freddie on that one. Jack, do any of these players play uh, a major part in special teams? Well, that may just help them uh, stay in, in, the, in the roster. So if we look at special teams numbers, um, Njoku was 0%, Orson Charles was 57%, Sefta Valve was 36.5%, Fells was 40% on the dot. That could be a factor as well. But for me, uh, our special teams wasn't fantastic. I think Tavares Thomas is one that's a lock to stay at cornerback. Other than that, if anyone else wants to go in special teams, 
um, then it doesn't bother me if we, if we move on. Excellent. So the final name, I don't think we're going to be too long on it, is Farrow Brown. He's contracted this year uh, for 570000 but um, 0% dead money. Um, might make it to camp. Um, might even not. They might have other plans. But um, he is uh, around at the moment. Excellent. Same initials as myself, P. Brown. Always like to see him on the active or inactive uh, list. Just kid yourself that it's you. <laughs> Here's a question for you guys. Do you think that we may draft two tight ends and one free agent? I'll, I'll let Jack go first on that one. So you're saying draft two tight ends to what's already here and then add and also add a, t- yeah, a free can, can you see us really having a real a total clear out in the tight end room keeping uh, uh david and then getting rid of basically everyone else uh i could see it over the next couple of years but this offseason i don't see them wiping it out completely i think you know you bring the valve and you bring fells into camp for sure um i would say fells will probably make the roster and last all this season and but I would add a tight end maybe in free agency and I might draft one in the middle rounds, but I don't, and I would just bring all those guys in and compete through camp, but there's no way I would just wipe it clean and then bring a whole new room in behind the Joku. I just don't think that's uh, smart business, but I'm also not John Dorsey. So whatever he thinks is best for the organization going forward is fine by me. For me, free agency, I wouldn't be out there particularly targeting anyone. The only tight ends I'd really go out and ever target is your blocking tight ends. And I think we've got a really solid one in Fells. Obviously, you can get a little bit better. But for me, the money's quite cheap. I'm happy to keep him for a year and we'll play that out. Um, It obviously steps up a million extra next year. So that's the point where I'll probably go, right, that's enough. We'll move on at that point. Um, If he doesn't continue to improve but I've got no issue with drafting too um for me you've got any more you can add if you add one and sort of day two and you add one late day three if they both make the roster then great I'm happy to go up to five um if you count sort of fells as sort of a, a tight end but I'd use him more as a fullback and have that deep room because if you did say in the first round go and get Hoxon then you have Hoxon and Joku. You have a lot of depth and options. And for me, it's all about preparing for life after Jarvis Landry. He's only here for one more year. And then uh, if we do want to, I would love to see two tight end sets. And the reason why I really like tight ends in the first round of the NFL draft is if you look at the two highest paid tight ends in the league at the moment and then compare them to the single highest paid um wide receiver you're looking at similar numbers so jimmy graham at the moment is the highest paid 10 million second travis kelsey 9.3 million so that's together 19 million for next season and then if we flip that over to the wide receiver you're looking at odell beckham jr 18 million would i rather have any choice of two tight ends across the entire nfl or one wide receiver and i'm taking them two tight ends every day give me gronk and kelsey over odell beckham jr um, for me, that pair in their prime are so much better. So the fear I have of when you, people go out, oh, let's take a first round wide receiver. The amount of money you have to pay to keep that sort of player, it has a negative impact on your team. Whereas if you have two of the best tight ends in the NFL on the same team, 
relatively cheap in the grand scheme of things. So for me, I would love to see that pairing. Get get me a Kelsey and Gronk level pair of tight ends and watch Baker Mayfield destroy the middle of the field because then you can go relatively cheap on your wide receivers because you're just going to need two speed demons down the side, which Callaway can do. Higgins, yeah, you could probably find someone even better. Um, Perryman can do a job. Perryman and Callaway going down the outside. Give me two elite tight ends in the middle and uh, let's cause absolute havoc. And that will spread out the game where you can have Chubb just driving, driving and driving because they're, they're going to have to spread out. They're going to have to have four people guarding their monsters. So uh, it's exciting times. And I, hopefully we will see more and more two tight end sets because it's a very effective way to pass the ball. These guys are better at catching uh, more successful passes to tight ends. And people like Evan Silver sat there regularly complaining that um, offensive coordinators aren't getting enough tight end usage. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead, Paul. Sorry. No, after you. Sorry, you're the guest, please. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, what Jack's saying is makes a lot of sense. I mean, you look at it. If you can get a elite-level tight end prospect at 17 to match up with Njoku, it's going to be better for us financially down the line. Obviously, like he was saying, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, we, let's go get Beckham or let's go get Antonio Brown. You got to think, and I know everybody's thinking, like, we can't think like this because – you know, the Browns have been bad for so long. Let's just go all in on it. You don't want to ruin the financial aspect of this team when you had to extend a lot of these guys in the next couple of years, including Njoku. Like, if you can get a premium tight end prospect over a premium wide receiver prospect, you take the tight end because it's going to be more cost effective and it might help us more in the long run. Because if you can find guys at the wide receiver position that are cheaper and can be more effective statistically because we have two dominant tight ends in the middle, it's going to make this team a lot better, I think, as uh, as the years go on, as we're trying to build a dynasty here with Baker. Yeah, and I, with, where people say two tight end sets, they they just assume that you have your offensive five offensive linemen and then a tight end parked either side. No, with Njoku, if you've got, say, another tight end that's doing a cracking job, you can literally just move him out, and he's an oversized slot receiver. If you can have a slot receiver, and he can run, and Joku can go at the speed of light. So just literally, you can have him on plays just as an outside wide receiver, but ideally sort of a slot wide receiver. Literally just drive him up the field. If he just has to run a straight route, that's perfectly fine. Because if you're going to put, say, um, a TJ carry up against um, Njoku, Njoku's going to smoke him nearly every time because the sheer size of the guy. Um, Baker's accurate with the ball, so... Uh, I reckon you give Freddie as many weapons and the cheaper they are, the better and just let him cause havoc because it will be havoc. Well, let me, let me add on that real quick. When you talk about two tight end sets, probably the best one we've seen in the last 10 years was in new England with Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez where, you know, and you see it now, they still use Gronk as a wide receiver. And that's how I think the Browns could ideally use it with Najoku line them up as a wide receiver and, you know, he's a big 6'6 guy. I mean, he's a hard target to, to stop as a tight end. Put him out at wide receiver, he's going to be even tougher. Yeah, and Jack, how are we looking at the free agent space? For me, um, there, there's no names out there that I get excited about. So um, I'm not that keen to blow money on a tight end um, in free agency. I just... 
there's a few people out there like Tyler Eifert that's great, but I'm not relying on an injury record. And the other names, I don't get that excited about. Um, and I think part of the reason why you don't see that many great tight ends going to free agency, because the cost is so low. And the cost is mainly driven down that Gronkowski has been the accepted best tight end in the league. And where he's taken team-friendly deals, as lots of Patriots do, that set the market because teams are going to go, well, I ain't going to pay more than that because that's what the best tight end in the league's earning. So um, you get lots of players around that level. So I would say I wouldn't be looking out there for um, free agency tight ends. Um, I reckon with the strength of the draft, you pick up one, pick up two, and um, just keep powering on. Mr. McCurry, anyone that you see on the free agent list you're looking forward to? Not particularly, you know, like maybe if Tyler Eifert was on, he would come in on an incentive lace prove it deal. But other than that, not really. Like Jack said, the tight end class doesn't look that strong in free agency. And I would rather go out and draft one if I had the option. So guys, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, Jack, where can we, uh, what's been going on in the show this week? What we've got coming up? Um, what we got coming up. So tomorrow is going to be our 200th show and it is awesome. We've got Trevor Sikama from, um, the draft network on who is absolutely fantastic. So he's going to be breaking down the tight end room. So make sure you hit subscribe. So that show comes straight into your inbox because it is a cracker. Um, and then what else we've got going on? We've got, uh, John Costco from PFF swinging by always love chatting with PFF. Um, what else we got in the pipeline? We've got some Irish um, Browns fans. We've got a Steelers fan on because, hey, we're keeping an eye on what's going on in the division. And anytime we can get a Steelers fan come on and talk to us about how it's all falling apart, we're here for that every day of the week. They are literally using their terrible towels to mop up their tears. So, um, hey, we're happy to see it. Rate them, review the show five stars. Give Paul a follow on Instagram. Give him a follow on Twitter. It's at PaulBrown underscore UK. Um, because, hey, he's got some funny videos in the pipeline. Yeah, I've got this vlog coming available. Hopefully, it'll be alive by the time the show comes up on YouTube. Go subscribe. It's going to be about eight minutes of me walking around London causing trouble. Well worth a watch. A few Jaeger bombs. Browns, American footballs, me kicking American football, trying to kick it over an English double-decker bus. Lots of fun. So uh, awesome. And Jack McCurry, you plug your show now, please, mate. It's the 100th. This is a big one next. Yeah, um, just uh, check out the show. It's uh, at 1085Gridiron on Twitter. Uh, We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search 1085 Gridiron. And uh, I thank you guys so much for having me on. And um, I listen to the podcast all the time. And you guys are awesome. Just keep up the great work. Cheers, buddy. Plug plug your Twitter as well. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. McCurry is M-C-C-U-R-R-Y. So uh, check me out. Um, Also check out my site, thenorthcoastsports.com. I am an aspiring sports writer. So uh, check out my work on that website as well. Any big articles coming up soon? You can uh, give us a bit of a teaser on. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, with NFL offseason really kicking into high gear this week with the franchise tag opening up, um, I've taken a little hiatus from NFL writing, but I'm going to dive back in, preview uh, some positions of need for the Browns as a uh, free agency is uh, coming up. And excellent. 
I've got a big announcement, guys, because I got the official email today. In, uh, later this week, I don't know which day it's going to drop yet, and I will tell you when it drops. Football Outsiders is running my article. So I've done an article all about kickoffs, and Football Outsiders dropped me the email today. They're going to run it. So um, keep an eye out for that, guys, because I am so happy. Um, that's well a big done, one. Jack. Congrats, uh, Jack. I know you've been working on that for... How old are you now, Jack? Uh, I'm losing my hair, mate. I'm losing my hair. No, seriously, Jack, I know you've put loads of effort into that. Uh, I will actually dedicate five minutes max to read an article, which I never read articles or books. So, uh, yeah, I'll do that for you, Jack. And, mate, I know you put a lot of hard work in. And, uh, mate, that is a big sight to get your first uh, article uh, published. So, well done, mate. Fingers crossed the Browns... uh team and the analytics team that advising Freddie and especially our special teams coach gives that a read because it's got some important stuff some do's and don'ts when it comes to kickoffs so fingers crossed we don't see any of that next season I've actually only one connection away from Paul Podesta now so I'm working on it Jack I'm trying to get Paul on the show just for you I'd love it we, we can always have some Paul D Podesta but no awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Jack. It's been really good to catch up with you. I enjoyed being on the pod. It's a really good pod. Make sure you give Jack a follow on Twitter too. But thank you guys for all your support. 200th show next, and that is mad. Um, I was impressed when me and Paul got to 10, and uh, that feels like a long, long time ago now. So uh, thank you very much. Welcome to the Danger Zone. It's time to get dangerous. Dangerous.